Hello and welcome back to the UFO and Aliens podcast. I'm your host, Rick Black. On this episode, I'm going to jump right in and share some cases where the witnesses are trained observers, the police. The first one was in December of 2004 in Huntington, Indiana. An off-duty Huntington officer was warming up his car when he saw it first. He radioed for an extra set of eyes. He got two. Two fellow officers looked skyward and saw it too. All three are Huntington law officers, guys who have seen just about everything. But this time, they didn't know what they were seeing. They're hoping someone else might have been looking toward the sky shortly after 2.30 p.m., Friday, December 26th, and can at least compare notes, if not provide an explanation. The object seen from just north of the city police station came out of the northwest to the steeple of a nearby Catholic church, then shot straight back north. It didn't make any noise, and it remained in their sight for less than a minute. But it was big, described as the size of a hot air balloon or a backyard trampoline, and low enough that one officer thought it was going to get hung up on the steeple of the church. Normally, such an object passing over the city would have lit up emergency lines, but this one didn't. No one called 911. No one called city or county dispatch. And no one called the state police. The three officers may have been the only ones to see it. And for a few days, they didn't say anything about it. One of them said, quote, We thought people would think we were crazy. End quote. But now, curiosity has the best of them. Did anyone else see it? And what was it? The officer making the original sighting had finished his shift at 2.30 p.m. the day after Christmas and was warming up his car, parked across a police station. He was sitting in the car facing north. And a week later, he was quoted as saying, It came from a long ways off. First, it looked like a parachute that you can steer, black and curved, but there was nobody in it. It started rolling, a slow roll, and turned upside down. Then it looked like a giant set of bird wings. It did more rolls, and turned into an oblong circle that was orange. It wasn't any kind of flying machine that I can think of, and it's not like a 50s flying saucer. It was that big, but it didn't have a hump in the middle. The second officer who answered the call said his first impression was that it was a tire in the sky. But that made no sense. The first officer said the object changed shape three or four times. It moved in a straight line, tumbling as it moved, and made no noise. The third officer, to verify the sighting, had just walked out of the station's back door. He heard the radio traffic and looked up. Quote, it was so big, within no time at all, I spotted it. When I first saw it, it was going in a flat plane, hovering moving slowly right toward the church. It would glide, rotate the white way around, and stay at one level. Then it stopped, began moving in a circular motion, and turned bright orange. It went flat again and hovered over the steeple. End quote. The officers believed that the object turned orange when it reflected the sunlight, like a compact mirror would if you twirled it. It appeared to be moving along at treetop level, no higher than the roof of the church. It disappeared from the first officer's view after it went behind the church steeple. But the other two officers, who had a slightly different vantage point, said it went behind the steeple and moved directly north. 
The second and third officers were 30 to 35 feet apart. They agreed the sighting lasted 30 to 45 seconds. Other statements included the object was completely circular, dome-shaped. One of the officers said, quote, I can't imagine how it could possibly be anything I could relate to. The object would stop and then spin slowly and maneuver no known aircraft can accomplish. I was never really afraid, just in total amazement, end quote. The pastor of the Catholic Church said he didn't see anything unusual that afternoon and hasn't received any phone calls from anyone who did. He said, quote, that's the first I've heard of it, end quote. Managers at the Huntington Municipal Airport and Fort Wayne Smith Field said there were no records of any out-of-the-ordinary craft making either a takeoff or landing. What does that sound like to you? To me, it sounds like a giant black garbage bag. Even when they said it turned orange, it could easily be reflecting the sun. It's a stretch, but it's plausible. I would be more convinced if it were later or earlier in the day when the sun would be lower. It appearing to be large could be an optical illusion. It could just be closer. And there's a huge difference between a backyard trampoline and a hot air balloon in size. The way they described its movement could be explained by a giant black plastic bag. The only thing that bothers me is the way it ended. One of the officers lost sight of it when it was behind the church. If he were the only witness, I would ask, did anyone go behind the church and see what possibly could have landed there? But the other witnesses said it turned and went north. Did they watch it until it was out of sight? Did it disappear behind the trees? They never said. I've seen plastic flags fly around before. It could happen. And they move around in strange ways. It all depends on what the wind is doing. Twisting, rolling, seeming to hover are all possibilities. It's strange that we have no other witnesses coming forward. Other people have to have seen it. Did they see it and think, nothing to see here? We have three police officers witnessing this thing. I have to call this one unexplained. The next case is really interesting. You've heard that police and pilots make good witnesses. Well, this is a case where we have both. On the night of March 4th in 1993 in Louisville, Kentucky, two police officers had an encounter with what can only be described as a UFO. There was a story in the Louisville Courier-Journal written by Gardner Harris, and it reads, UFO puts on show. Jefferson police officers describe close encounter by Gardner Harris, staff writer. Two Jefferson County Air Unit police officers described by their lieutenant as solid guys, swear they had a two-minute dogfight with a UFO during a routine helicopter patrol Friday night. Two officers on the ground said they too spotted the object. The UFO, a glowing pear-shaped object about the size of a basketball, literally flew circles around the helicopter, even though the flyers say they were moving at speeds approaching 100 miles an hour. In one blinding moment, when both craft were hurling toward each other, the UFO shot three basketball-sized fireballs out of its middle. All three officers said the fireballs fizzled into nothing. Officer Kenny Graham and Kenny Downs haven't talked much about their Friday night flight over General Electric Appliance Park because they fear few will believe them. But they are convinced they weren't hallucinating. We both go to church every week, Downs said, as a way of explaining how normal the two normally are. 
In fact, I might start going twice a week. Officer Mike Smith in his squad car below said he saw the object for about a minute, but he confirmed the UFO shot three fireballs into the air and then disappeared. Officer Joe Smolinski said he tried for more than a minute to catch up to the object in his squad car. He said, I've been looking for him for 14 years, and I guess this is as closest I've come to something I couldn't explain. Lieutenant David Pope, who was roused out of bed at 12.30 Saturday morning by a call from the startled officers, attested to their sanity and sincerity. He said, quote, These guys are totally solid guys. There's no doubt in my mind there was something out there. End quote. The night started out like every other night. Graham and Downs got to work about 6 p.m. and were soon in the air flying a routine patrol. Graham, 39, and an 11-year veteran, was the pilot. Downs, 39, and a 5-year veteran, was the spotter. While in the air, they received a call about a possible break-in near Sanford Avenue and Buccal Bank Road. They flew off and quickly reached the area, which is near the northeast corner of Appliance Park around 11.50 p.m. As they circled, Graham saw something that looked like a small fire off to his left. Dozens of bonfires had been lit around the county that night by revelers delighting in the new snowfall. But Graham soon decided it wasn't a fire. Downs shined his 1.3 million candle power spotlight on the object, which began to drift back and forth like a balloon as the light washed over it. Then it gradually floated up to the helicopter's elevation about 500 feet above the ground where it hovered for a few seconds. Graham, an experienced pilot, said, quote, Then it took off at a speed I've never seen before. End quote. The object made two huge counterclockwise loops and finally approached the helicopter's rear. Graham, afraid the object would ram his tail rotor, pushed his speed above 100 miles per hour. The UFO shot past them and instantly climbed hundreds of feet in the air. It descended again and flew close to the helicopter. Graham tried to close the gap with the object, and again it flew away. As the UFO approached on a parallel course, the three fireballs burst out of its core. Scared, Graham banked away from the object. He said, quote, When we came back around, it was gone. End quote. When the two returned to their base, Graham called the control tower at Standerford Field to ask if their radar had spotted anything unusual. It had not. Downs called the county's radio dispatchers to ask if anyone else had reported sightings. No one had. But the two did get confirmation from two officers on the ground, one of whom was Smith. Smith said he didn't have any idea what it was, but his confirmation cheered the two flyers. And Downs said, quote, It makes me feel better that there are grown men out there who are sworn to protect this community and who saw the same thing, end quote. So what was this pear-shaped thing? What could it be? I've got nothing. It was described as being the size of a basketball, and it shot basketball-sized fireballs from its center. They said that the fireballs fizzled out. Did they hit the helicopter? Were they responding to the helicopter shining their light on them? It makes you wonder. All right, this this next case has me scratching my head. It's from Colfax, Wisconsin, April 19, 1978. Police officer Mark Coltrane was on patrol in the vicinity of Colfax, a small town with thousands of inhabitants in Wisconsin. At midday, he decided to stop the car and eat something. 
in a small, isolated area. He noted that his radio was emitted crackles. Then he noticed a metallic-looking disc raising towards the sky at a short distance from the parking space. While the object seemed to move towards him, Coltrane picked up his Polaroid camera, came out of the car, and snapped some photographs. The object was so close in one of the images that it is possible to notice some details of its lower surface. In the second photograph, the object is starting to move away. The total observation lasted a few minutes, the object being lost from his sight when it accelerated and fled into the distance. Coltrane, shocked by the sighting, remained in amazement for two hours without saying anything, by fear of being ridiculed when he would have to submit his report to his chiefs. The pictures that Coltrane took look amazing. They're not grainy like a lot of UFO pictures that you see. The pictures have great detail and are really clear. Now, compare this story with the next. On Wednesday, 19, April 1978, same date, Mr. S, name withheld by specific request, and his girlfriend were driving in the vicinity of Tainter Lake when they decided to stop and attempt some fishing since most of the ice was already thawed. They found a spot along the shore where they could do some casting. Mr. S had also brought along an FM portable radio. They had been at this spot for about a half an hour when the radio began picking up interference. It was then that Mr. S looked up into the sky, thinking an airplane must be going overhead. At that point, the object appeared out of the southwest, moving northeast. He and his girlfriend became very excited and frightened, remembering that they had a camera with them, an Instamatic. Mr. S went and got it to take some pictures. He almost dropped it several times trying to get it out of the case. He finally got it out and started to point it at the object when the object suddenly veered off course in their direction and came towards them. They became even more frightened when but Mr. S. was determined to get a photograph of the thing. At that point, the object began to circle them at high altitude as Mr. S. began taking pictures. The object flew around the area only once and then disappeared into the sunlight. The whole incident lasted about three or four minutes. Mr. S. was hesitant about showing anyone the photos because he was afraid of people thinking the wrong thing. He finally sent a copy to a UFO lecturer after attending one of his slide lectures on the UFO subject. Mr. S. was unable to determine the size of the object for lack of reference or how fast it was moving. He did say, however, that it gave off a crackling sound as it passed around them. Now, here's where I'm confused. Both stories are similar. They happened on the same date and in the same town, and both of them took pictures, one with a Polaroid and the other with an Instamatic. They are the same pictures. They are not different pictures of the same object. They are the same pictures. It seems that there are some shenanigans going on here. I don't know what, but something is going on here. I'm not going to waste any more time on this when it's obvious that I'm not going to find the truth here. So now let's go to September 3rd, 1965 in Damon, Texas. About 11 p.m. on Friday night, Deputy Sheriff Bob Good. 50, was driving his patrol car south out of Damon towards West Columbia on Highway 36. Since he had suffered a bite on his left index finger earlier that day from a baby alligator, he asked Chief Deputy Billy McCoy, 38, to ride with him in the event the pain flared up and interfered with his driving. Now, that's a story all by itself. 
What was he doing handling a baby alligator? Sorry, <laughs> I got distracted by the shiny thing. Moving forward, uh, it was a sparkling, clear, moonlit Texas night. And Good rested his arm in the open window of the door as they drove through the prairie. Suddenly, McCoy spotted a bright purple light on the horizon to the southwest, which appeared to be about five to six miles distant. At first, they thought it might be something in the nearby oil fields, perhaps an oil drilling rig. But then a blue light, smaller in diameter than the purple light, emerged from it and moved to the right before stopping. Both lights remained in this orientation for a while before beginning to drift upward. This upward floating motion continued until the object reached an elevation of 5 to 10 degrees above the horizon. Good then studied the lights through a pair of binoculars, but could not make out any additional features. As their curiosity mounted, the officers began to look for back roads that might take them closer to the lights. They stopped again, and this time the light suddenly swooped toward them, covering the intervening distance in one to two seconds, abruptly stopping practically overhead. Their patrol car and the surrounding terrain were brightly illuminated in purple light. They could now see that the purple and blue lights were attached to opposite ends of an enormous object, hovering about 150 feet from them at about a 100-foot altitude. In his later statement to the Air Force, McCoy described what he saw. Quote, the bulk of the object was plainly visible at this time and appeared to be triangular shaped with a purple bright light on the left end and a smaller, less bright blue light on the right end. The bulk of the object appeared to be dark gray in color with no other distinguishing features. It appeared to be about 200 feet wide and 40 to 50 feet thick in the middle, tapering off toward both ends. There was no noise or any trail. The bright purple light illuminated the ground directly underneath it and the area in front of it, including the highway and the interior of our patrol car. The tall grass under the object did not appear to be disturbed. There was a bright moon out and it cast a shadow of the object on the ground immediately below the grass. End quote. To both men, the object seemed to be as big as a football field. Good could feel strong heat emanating from the object onto his left arm through his shirt sleeve. After a few seconds, with the strange object hovering almost directly overhead, they fled the scene and headed toward Damon. As fast as we could go, they said, making speeds of up to 110 miles an hour. McCoy kept watching the object out the rear window of the car. For 10 to 15 seconds, the UFO continued to hover above the pasture. Then it abruptly shot back in the direction from which it had come. Quote, After arriving at approximately its original position, McCoy said, it went straight up in the air and disappeared at 25 to 30 degrees above the horizon, end quote. Back at Damon, the shaken officers calmed themselves and then decided to go back and investigate again. This time they drove down the Damon West Columbia Road, but saw nothing. Finally, they returned to the area where they had first seen the lights and once again spied the purple light on the horizon and again saw the smaller blue light emerge with a strange two-step motion and float upward. Fearing another close encounter, they again fled the area. Good and McCoy continued on their shift until 3 or 4 in the morning, then stopped for breakfast at a cafe. Good noted that his alligator bite was no longer sore. When he unwrapped the bandage, he discovered that the swelling had gone down and that the wound was nearly healed. Next day, the wound showed virtually no scarring. 
The deputies reported the sighting to Ellington Air Force Base, and Major Lawrence Leach Jr. arrived on September 8, 1965, to interview McCoy and Good and take a statement. Leach's report to Project Blue Book headquarters at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base reflected his puzzlement. Quote, There is no doubt in my mind, he said, that they definitely saw some unusual object or phenomenon. Both officers appeared to be intelligent, mature, level-headed persons capable of sound judgment and reasoning. End quote. My favorite part of this whole story is the alligator bite. And when it was healed by the UFO, it just made it an even better story. What do you think? If it was just one police officer, it would be easy to just brush it away as one main story. But two police officers? It has a little more believability. So that's four stories. The first one, I think, could be something that was misidentified. I think it was something floating in the wind. What it was, I don't know. The second one, with the guys in the helicopter, I have no idea. I've heard that story before, and as far as I know, no one has come up with a good explanation for it. The third one just reeks of a hoax to me. The picture's great, but maybe too great. I don't buy it. And the last one is interesting. I have no idea if it's true or not, but it is plausible. We have a bunch of reports of a triangle-shaped UFO. This one is pretty early, 1965. It may be the earliest report of a triangle-shaped craft. I'd have to do some digging, some more digging, to find out if it is. That would give it more credibility, I think. What do you think? Remember, believe none of what you hear and half of what you read. If you like the show, I would like to encourage you to help support the show. You can help me out with just $3 a month. Just go to the website and click on support. I would really appreciate the help and would be happy to give you a shout out. In addition, I will send you a beautiful UFO and Aliens podcast sticker. These are really cool and you really want one. You could put it on your laptop, your back car window, water bottle, mailbox, wherever. Do you have a UFO story that you'd like to share? Is there a UFO story that you'd like for me to look into? Just send me an email at UFO and alien podcast at gmail.com. I'm Rick Black, and I'll talk to you next time.